Siaka Massacoy is an actor living in Los Angeles. He's also an American patriot and more recently has been the target of a January 6th political persecution. Siaka is joining me today to tell his story. This is a fascinating story and it's a cautionary tale of what happens when the government engages in political persecution. This is the Heidi St. John podcast. Thanks for joining me today. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. Siaka, welcome back to the Heidi St. John podcast. It's really, really good to see you. Well, it's been too long, Heidi. Thank you for having me back. And uh, it's kind of crazy why we're talking again, you know? (laughs) I know. It totally is. So in the intro, I kind of, I just prepped everybody because this is a pretty heavy, heavy topic, right? I don't know if you saw the, we're going to talk about the insurrection. The the who? The insurrection. Shh, what's going on? Uh, I saw a former Capitol Police officer on MSNBC, I don't know if you saw this the other day, and he's written a book about that horrible day that will live on in infamy, worse than Pearl Harbor, worse Worse. than 9-11, the worst thing that's happened to our democracy. And this the the guy who's interviewing him over on MSNBC, all these pansies over there, for reals, right? And he's just, he can't can't even get through the interview. He's like, I'm just, I'm just going to. I'm going to try to just get through this. And just my heart is just so broken over what they try to do to our country. I'm like, why don't you care about what they're doing to our country right now? Like the open borders. Why don't you care about Antifa and the fact that they practically burned down half the cities in the United States? Why don't you care about the fact that we got lied to, that people lost their jobs? Why do you care about any of that? But oh no, uh, American citizens that went into the Capitol are being hunted down like animals, truly and prosecuted, which to me is, it's just a, it's the, it's a political persecution coming down from the Biden administration who's using and weaponized the Department of Justice, just like they're calling, you know, uh, parents who want to know what the heck's going on in the public school system. You're a domestic terrorist if you want to know that. Siaka Masakoy goes and stands for 71 seconds in the doorway of the Capitol on January 6th, and uh, they want to prosecute you. So tell us a little bit about you. There's a lot to unpack here. But I want people yeah. to get a, a, a bit of an introduction to you. We were introduced, obviously, by our friend uh, Danielle. Yeah. And uh, I become a super fan. You've done some work for the Babylon Bee. You're, you're a Hollywood actor. You obviously love the country. Tell us a little bit about who you are. Well, uh, and thank you for having me back on the show. Like we said before, it's been too long. Um, yeah, you know, I, I've... I've uh, I grew up. I grew up outside of Chicago in Evanston, Illinois. I was born in upstate New York, Rochester. Uh, moved out here uh, in 2004. It's actually so crazy. It's going to be 20 years in Los Angeles now, and I didn't. Wow, you survived 20 years in Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah. Which is, I, I still don't understand it, but apparently, I made it. Um, but yeah, you know, <laughs> moved, out, <laughs> moved out here to be an actor and chase that dream, and uh, went through my ups and downs. I had my substance abuse issues with alcohol. Um, just fortunate enough to, that God helped me out of that position, but I didn't know God as I, as I know him now that when I got sober in 2016, uh, March 5th, 2016, by the way. Um, I love that. Uh, Praise March, God. March 15th, 2015 or 2016. Um, and so, uh, you know, that that's when, honestly, that's when things turned around in my life was, uh, when I went back into the rooms for, to get help and, uh, moving mm. forward, that was the first time also I voted for President Trump and only the second time I voted, period. First time I voted was for Barack Obama. Uh, and and wow. just tell you how okay. far. So uh, you were, would you say that you, that you, would you call yourself then a Democrat or a, a progressive sort of before you voted yeah. for Trump? What, what changed your mind? Well, so when I was, um, you know, I grew up outside of Chicago in Evanston, just to give you a little uh, kind of feel about where I grew up. And it's kind of it's sad to say now Evanston is the first place to start giving reparations back for housing discrimination. And it also has just become one of the first schools, my high school, to offer segregated classrooms now. So I, I was in real? a space. Yeah, I was in a space um, where it was kind of a mix. It was such a mixed bag. They taught us of the greatness of this country and, you know, Voltaire. And I may not agree with what you have to say, but I, I will, you know, fight to my death for your right to say it. But at the same time, there's this undergirding of like one day a revolution is going to be 
is going to happen to fix all the wrongs in this country, i.e. communism, right, and Marxism. So you had a mix of both. I mean, I was in one of the first race swapped uh, plays that, I, you know, the back in the day was Hans Christian Andersen and I got to play Hans. I was probably the best one, but still. Uh, so we started just throwing <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I, was, I don't think I've ever seen a, a black man play Hans Christian Andersen. I bet you rocked got, it, though. I got the tape. I got the tape. And that's how long ago it was. VHS. <laughs> Uh, so, um, yeah, no, so, uh, I was, yeah, I was, I was a liberal. Um, I believe the stuff. I will also at the same time, I was secular and didn't believe God, uh, didn't believe it existed or that, you know, it was all just a construct made of man and they changed the books and blah, 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 blah. All the stuff, the media, you know, the, the, the secular world is telling you, the culture is telling you. And yet I had never, I was never brave enough to ever open a page in the Bible reading for myself, really, you know, um, and then uh, it grew up, went to, you know, went to college, was stuck in substance abuse land. That's where it really went off the rails for me. And then, you know, didn't get to finish school there because of everything that happened. And I had to come back to Chicago, then ended up driving out to L.A. Go, I'm going to chase the dream. Got some success every once in a while, but I was still struggling with substance. And, and, and uh, I thought the bartending world was part of what it meant to be an actor. So I worked, mm-hmm. I found myself working harder to become a bartender in Hollywood than uh, to become an actor in Hollywood. And I made it, I became a bartender in Hollywood. Um, but after, <laughs> yeah, I did it. Thanks. I did it, mom. No. So I was like, but then, uh, but, mom, I've arrived. I'm a bartender. I'm a bartender. <laughs> please, send, please. Send you me and uh, AOC. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you something funny about that. I was actually recruited at one of the bars I worked at. I was recruited by a DNC person. He's like, look, you ever thought about running for office? I'm like, man, I got too many skeletons because I thought my DUIs would get me eliminated from even running. Um, and he's like, no, nah, don't worry. We can clear that up and you let me know. And then yeah. as years passed and I thought about it and it was like this bartender became someone like, oh, wow. They actually were just going to grab someone who could perform basically well enough to do the talking points. But um yeah. And then, uh, like I said, I, I had tried my first time with sobriety in 2013 and it was going well. Life turned around. And after 19 months, I thought that I understood it. And so I thought I could handle my drinking. And fortunate enough for me, I was around great people that have shown me love in those two years prior. And I also uh, I could hear what they had to say. So the Lord only allowed five months for me to be in that darkness again before I was like, all right, I know I got to stop. So that's when on March 15th of 2016, I, I went back to a program. And like I said, everything changed. Uh, I got closer to the Lord. I, I, I actually I saw him save my life. And then I could go back and think about how he saved my life before. So it all made sense. Um, mm-hmm. And then we get to 20, 2019, 2020. And my career is going great. You know, in the last three years, I just flew out to my home, my family's home country of Liberia, shot a movie there about the history of the country. So uh, it was the first time back as an adult. Uh, you know, I'm on television. I have uh, commercial campaigns or, or people can literally see me hanging up you know, on a Verizon poster in the airports. My, I, I'm doing plays, doing musicals. I'm, I'm, li- I'm doing, I'm living my dream. And um, 2020 comes and, I, you know, I, I'm a cons- crazy wacko conservative, so I've been watch- reading Epoch Times. So in that in the fall in the winter of 2019, we can't have that. Yeah, that I, I knew what was happening. I saw all the COVID stuff happening over on the other side of the world. Yeah. Yeah. I was trying to warn my mom and she didn't want to hear it and this, that and the other. Then all the other stuff started coming out at the same time. The panic started happening here. And so then I tried to warn my mom the other way. And then it's like, <laughs> you know, no one was hearing it. But. What really got me was, um, you know, and, and switching over a few things, getting sober. The tenets of, of program basically show you what you're responsible for and why your responsibility is truly what what uh, indicates whether you're going to have a good or a bad experience in the current you know circumstance that you're in. It's not based on somebody else. It's really based on you. That ultimately led me to wanting to know more truth, which led me to, well, where did this come from? This came from. Judeo-Christian values. Okay, well, what's going on here? So I started to explore God from a Christian perspective, which I had background in, but I threw away in my 20s. 
Um, and so as time kept going on, getting closer and as becoming a conservative in 2016 and seeing like that life and seeing, then seeing how on the other side, people here in Hollywood, people are close to how they people who before 2016, I could have rational discussions with and come to some type of understanding or, or a point where I go, man, this person knows what they're talking about, or I see how they got there to losing it over a red hat over you know trump anyone right. who it's it's it blew my, it really blew my mind and it's the kind of thing when you see the people screaming on the highway for whatever for palestine or abortion rights or whatever it is that some of their behavior and the way they they come at you it's like i don't want to be on your team just based on that before we even get into the topic mm-hmm. i don't want to be on your team so when i talk to some people and they go straight into the uh, offended absurd space of life it was it was people who we could talk about movies with, to, in depth and with high criticism. But as soon as we shift over here, that's it. All the critical thinking just went out of no the water. Yeah. It, was, it was fascinating. So that really kind of helped solidify, push me away from liberal mindset. Um, but that summer of love in 2020, really, that uh, I say that put it over the edge when uh, I saw that here in my industry that a lot of mainstream artists were putting together a bail fund for a lot of these individuals who were destroying and killing people, especially a lot of black folks and all, all for the guys of that black lives matter, which, um, it hit a point when a, a six month old died, was shot and killed around the corner from where my mom lived in the stroller during the day. And I was like, well, what am I truly being? That's Chicago. Where was that? That I was in Chicago. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I think to myself, I thought to myself at the time, like, okay, so what am I really being quiet for? I, mean, I won't work in the industry anymore that is actually funding terrorism like that. Like, you know what I mean? You had to, especially getting closer to what I think God is and then really searching for him. Uh, these things are starting to collide. I saw the way people treated individuals. Like when I said, I was around good people that helped me get sober. I saw the way people who have been with them for years and they've supplied with jobs and support and been at weddings and there for the first kids, how they were talking about this husband and wife team because they were Trump supporters. And I saw how it it didn't matter about the history they had with them. And it would just be indignant. It just, all these different factors really just disgusted me about what was going on in our country and the summer of love just really put it over the top. And so for me, I was, I was just done being, um, hiding. Uh, I'm in my nature. I'm kind of a big expressive guy. So that's how I will move in that. But I think initially people need to need to be done with, with hiding. And that's, that was my kind of rock bottom for hiding. And, and um, yeah. And then ever since then, I'm, you know, it's uh, the government, the government has put me on a censorship list list. Um, you know, I got, how do you think that happens? So, so you say, uh, and this is what is so unbelievable to me. I mean, that the government puts you on a censorship list that they've actually been to your house. They've they've raided. I mean, we're not talking about people who are threats to the country. We're talking about just people who love the country and have differences of political opinion. This is political persecution. But why why are you on a censorship? Like, what would they say? Uh, was you their know, reason? Because I mean, if this is all over, I was googling your name, dude. Before and I usually don't do that, right? Because we all know it's it's algorithm based and it's garbage. But dude, you're all over the news right now, mm-hmm. and and the, the obviously you know the opinions are you know very wildly. I saw one guy put a picture of you. You know, here's Siaka in the Capitol. It makes it sound like you went in there with machetes yeah, and you started yeah. you know chopping things up or taking artwork off the walls. Uh, tell yeah. us a little bit about what happened on that day. So first of all, you went to the Capitol like yeah. millions of other people on January the 6th. Walk us through what happened that day. And I'll tell you, my reason was different than most people who actually went to the Capitol. So that day, um, I was there with a friend of mine. We stayed at the JW Marriott um, right across the street from Freedom Plaza, which was uh, you know not too far away from the Rose Garden and just there in the Washington Monument area where people were standing for the speech. So we walked over and it's packed, of course, we ended up going by the Washington Monument, and there was a couple people there. I remember we saw, like, it, I think it was either Vietnamese or Koreans for, for Trump, like, huge sign. We took a picture and everything. And then we stood in an area that was uh, by a tree that, like, so we could kind of, um, 
it, it was, I remember somebody was standing in the tree. So we're, we're watching that. We're watching the speech and all that good stuff. The speech, it's super cold out there. Speech ends. Everyone starts to kind of slowly meander over. We're laughing. I'm talking to some guy who comes over me and my friend were laughing with some people and people start singing and all that. But at this point from 2020 on, I've been going to rallies at this point. This is my third time in DC. I've been to rallies. So the idea of going to the Capitol rally in this cold, honestly, for me, I was at the point where I was like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm good. So I asked her, I was like, well, let's go back to the hotel. Right. So we went back to the hotel and, uh, I was curious to find out what the media was going to say about this, because just like anything and everything else Trump related, it's they'll say opposite of what's happening. And so for me, I turned on MSNBC. There was a reporter there and, and had no one really in the background. It was kind of empty. And it just she she was just saying, like, it was a dark day and uh, the shots been fired there's blood on the ground and and kind of making it sound like it was just. A terroristic attack, which I just knew being around as many people, I'm like, no, this can't be true. So my impetus of going out to the Capitol was to find the reporter stand behind the camera and be like that crazy guy behind there going, you're lying, you're lying like that, you know, just kind of crap. <laughs> like, that's really what I was going to do, you know, because I, yeah, I, I do yeah. understand you get physical with anyone, and especially in certain cases that you're going down, period. I'm not an idiot, you know. So I wasn't trying to go to do anything physical with anyone. I was going down to find the camera crew to say that they were lying. So then I started, I headed down there, which takes about 30 minutes just to get down there. So, and this is out even on, in reports that, you know, uh, you know, news reports that are favorable to me. I I didn't get down there until about an hour after all the major, you know, events that we now know happened, happened. So I get down there. I was in a sense walking down there whilst maybe some of this was happening. So by the time I get down there, there's I'm looking around and people, again, just meandering around. Didn't seem like there's any kind of negative energy going on. I get to the point where I'm close to the scaffold where the American flag was. And I bump into two, uh, two or three guys that I knew from Beverly Hills rally. And this other lady recognized us. So we stop and we do a little quick interview about how amazing this is. And the end of our interview, the national anthem, people start singing the national anthem. Excuse me. And uh, it was just kind of it was just really amazing to see people come out and want to express themselves in this way. Again, that's how I was seeing it at the time. So we start walking up the scaffold and it wasn't until I get to the top of the scaffold where you can kind of smell a little bit of pepper spray like it was happening. Uh, that's something that happened in that sense. So then I walk around the side of the scaffold, I don't go towards the bleachers, I go kind of towards the building. And I see a bunch of people kind of still standing around there. I do see this ha- it happened twice. There, were, there was a guy who tried to push other guys forward screaming, let's go, right? And that hit me because men don't do that. Like real men, they step forward and say, follow me. They don't push other guys forward. So that's, that's that right. was something yeah. that looked for, it looked weird to me. Um, I did see there somebody had thrown back a pepper spray that the cops had had and it hit a guy, one of the police officers in the head. And then uh, then it just kind of stopped. I, and then I kept walking around and recording and just checking out what's going on. I'm recording people and they're saying their piece. One guy's like, they're cowards hiding in there. I see like a glass broken. I'm just like, wow, people are mad. You know, like, look, I can understand people are getting upset. So I start walking towards that doorway and there's these two guys walking with me. They're all fully tactical gear, completely masked up. Now I, now I can, I can pretty much, I can, I, I, with my own opinion, I, I can guess that they're probably agents because later on they had footage that could only be from them standing right behind me, showing me walking in. So I'm walking in as I'm going, somebody, I hear somebody said, Oh, and I actually even asked the guys, I was like, is the, can we, I was like, this is where they're going. And he's like, yeah, they're going in over there. As I get closer, somebody saw, I hear somebody on my videotape, you can hear him say, Hey, this is where they're letting us in. So at no point do I think, well, we shouldn't be here. Everyone get the hell out. At no point do I think that's going on. If anything, I'm thinking they're managing kind of what's going on. They're letting it happen so that it doesn't get crazier. So we, we're shuffling through the doorway in the sense like you're going into a rock concert or something. But then we get kind of get stopped right there, as you've probably seen in the footage now. We get stopped right at the doorway. There was a bunch of cops just kind of standing there. And everyone just kind of froze. So I stopped. I'm just like, all right. And as, I, as you see in the video, I reach my hand out to get any because it's not because we're walking more is because we can't walk. So I want to get anything I can with the reach of my arm side to side. I talked to one cop on this side. I say, Hey man, I heard because the rumor at this point that 
people had gotten in Nancy, Nancy Pelosi's office. I was like, did somebody get into her office? And he just shakes his head. Like, I don't know. I was like, oh, okay. And as I turn over this way, uh, a guy in full a riot gear comes up. He goes, I need you guys to go back the other way. I go, I got it. We're going to do it. He's, and I turn around and turn back and go, you see, we're not being, we're being reasonable. We're not being crazy. I just want to make sure it's out there. And I'm recording all this as well. And this is on footage that has been, you know, uh, received from, uh, you know, uh, helpstophate.com where it shows me on the front saying and doing all of this. I turn back and tell the people behind me, guys, go back the other way. So, you know, I'm getting, giving an order by an, you know, official right then and there. And not only am I complying with it, but I'm also directing that to other people behind me. I walk outside and I see what is now. So when you're saying go guys, go back the other way, you've been kind of standing in the doorway of the Capitol at this point. And now you're saying, we're never mind. Go back the other way. You're telling them go outside, right? Yeah, yeah because we've been told go the other way. So it's like, all right, I got it. Yeah. I, you know, I'll pass it on. Let's go. And in that video that's facing me, here's something. Oh, this guy's been helping us, like helping us get these guys out. So it's like, as far as I'm going, I'm walking right. around just like, man, this is at the most part. I'm like, wow, this is crazy. I can't believe this is happening. So I walk out the side and I see what is now that infamous window that they, I guess they threw a flag through the first time and then people jump through to open the door. I'm standing by that window and I'm like, man, they even got stickers on the wall. I'm kind of cracking jokes because this is like, it's a, that's I'm an actor. This is what I do. And I go around and I see that guy who got hit in the head with the, the uh, bear spray. And I go, hey man, are you okay? I saw they hit you in the head with that. That wasn't cool. He was like kind of shrugged it off and. I was like, I heard there's a curfew. Who's going to, I was like, uh, who's going to endorse that? And he just kind of gave a nod and I joke. I was like, you don't care. You're off the clock soon, huh? And I just kind of laughed off. Then I walked back around, went, talked to some more cops over here. They didn't move or say anything. And then I walked away before I left the, the Capitol. As I was walking to the other side of the Capitol, there was another man that I saw trying to push people forward to get into it. Into the building. Yeah, well, this was now at this point, there were cops standing in front of the building door and guy, a guy was trying to push them towards the cops. So he was trying to start something over there. One cop came down mm. and this big dude comes over and throws this guy to the side and then throws the cop back in line. And then I just left. I'm like, all right. And I cracked a joke with someone walking by. I go, you know, it's funny. None of the cars that were parked there were on fire or touched or anything. I was like, this is a BLM rally. These all things would be on fire right now. And they, they, some right. people laugh. And then I went back to my hotel room thinking nothing of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not ever thinking that, 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 that decision, if you could go back and do it again, you know, looking back now, what's your, what's your take now? You mean knowing what I know now or just, uh, being in that yeah. same mindset, just knowing, knowing, what what, I know, just knowing what you know now, knowing, I mean, knowing what I know now, I wouldn't have gone into the setup. It was a trap, you know, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. it did. They just announced they're going after people who are on the grass. And the crazy thing about it is they're only announcing that to scare people because they've already been going after people who are on the grass. There are people who are former U.S. agents who are on the grass that are fighting for their you know, life right now that they're trying to give 20 years to. There, there is a woman who was pregnant and she had under house arrest for just staying on the grass. So going after people on the grass isn't a new thing. No, of course, knowing what I know now, I would not go in there. I, I went there because of what I believe the laws of our land allowed us to do. That's why I went mm-hmm. there. I didn't go there to do any mm-hmm. to, to like. And, and the crazy thing is, like I said before, I'm not going to go attack somebody, especially if they have a gun. That's stupid. You're going to lose that. Right. I'm not going to go right. if I if I was someone who really wanted to go after any type of government agency. I'm not going to go fully faced open, wearing MAGA gear, being like yeah, and smiling with my phone. Like <laughs> what kind of that's stupid. Like it doesn't make any sense. And so mm-hmm. what you see that is set up and you heard it in Joe Biden's statement when he had he rallied off those numbers. It's got to show you, look how bad it is. Look how bad it was. We got them, though. You trust us. We'll get these bad guys that they've been telling us are bad guys for the last, what, eight years now. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's like it was a setup. And I've seen I've seen now enough footage to go, well, why is a cop telling people to go forward and then walk the other way? Why are they opening the doors for people? Why are they taking down barriers and then charging yeah, people with, yeah. with trespassing? Like what? 
You took yeah. the bearers now. Yeah. You charged well, it's up. super, super sketchy. I mean, I, I looked at that and uh, and I, I thought to myself, man, you know, given the political climate and the way that we've seen the Biden administration treat even parents, the Department of Justice and the way that they look at anyone who disagrees with their point of view. I mean, you can look at what happened on January 6th and say, OK, that was that's unwise. Like you might go, well, that was unwise, given given we didn't know who, you know, maybe didn't know who you were tangling with or whatever. But right. to prosecute and persecute and terrorize these people and break down their doors and treat them as if they had walked into the Capitol and tried to assassinate someone. Uh, it's, it's almost unbelievable to watch. Well, that's, that's, and that's the part when you talk about our fourth amendment, right? Now legal search and seizure. And that's, that's what it was in there for. It's in there because King George's men would come in and just take people out of houses, stay there, take their property. And that's what ended up happening to me. What I believe happened to me when they raided my house on June of, of, of you know, June tenth of uh, twenty twenty one. They came in, guns drawn, taking everyone out of the house, including my godsons three and six, and wouldn't give me uh, the ability to call a lawyer because they told me this is not an arrest or you're not and you're not being charged, so this is not what it is. That's amazing. Then, then yeah. turned around and when I asked for the warrant multiple times. When they first denied it and finally gave it to me, it was the one page cover because apparently the FBI doesn't have to give you the, the full warrant at the time of a raid. That's also why they they classify as a raid. So this way they can come up with whatever later. They don't have to give you if it was just a phone call, then they have to come to your door and go, all right, you go. But the fact that classified as like an operation in that capacity, then they don't they have to make sure their safety goes first. Collecting, doing whatever they have to do to get the information is what goes first. But it's only okay if they can uh, somehow wrap it in some type of uh, conspiracy or RICO or terrorism type of an attack. So that's how they were able to start moving on people like myself. And so mm -hmm. when you start to, when you start to see how the how they moved in that way, the fact that I asked for a, a lawyer multiple times wasn't wasn't given that. The fact that I asked for the warrant multiple times initially was given that. I actually reached out to them and asked them to after they left. And they took my laptop and my cell phone and my and my um, MAGA hats and all that stuff and still have not returned it to this day. We within the first week asked, can we get the full warrant? The response from a U.S. attorney was your client doesn't deserve to know what's in the warrant. That's what Are I was told. Are you serious? I have That's the terrifying. Email. And so That's terrifying. Well, week, a week and a half after was once we once we um, threatened to file a complaint. Like a couple of days later, we got the full warrant, which happened to have everything listed that they took. <laughs> Who fig go figure, right? Um, wow! It, it was uh, it was wild to to see how it was. It was wild to hear that from from like your government saying, basis. So, I mean, from my perspective, you just came in with guns drawn and you stole my stuff. And then I ask, why are you come in? You go, you don't need to know. Like, isn't that mobster stuff? We're protecting you by giving us half your half your half your product. What? How's that? Who's mm -hmm. uh, who you protecting mm -hmm. me from who at this point, right? And so for two years, you know, well, then right after that, we decided to fi file a complaint against the FBI and the agents that came into my house for violating my Fourth Amendment. We went about two years, and within a two-year time, every time I fly, I have to go through extra security at at check-in. I can't check in the day before. I have to sit there for about 40 minutes as they call up a number and talk to whoever I was up there to verify who I am. I have to go to TSA to give me a full pat down, check, go through all my stuff. Then when I get to the gate, I have to do a whole search and pat down again. Now, if someone books a ticket with me on there and we share a ticket together, that person has to go through it as well. Now that my wife is married to me and she has the same last name, now she has to go through that as well. Also, because we found this out with the air marshal, um, the operation quiet skies is where air marshals now are following people from J six. I just spotted, I just spotted them uh, on my last trip where I had two guys following me. Every time I get off the airplane, they take a picture of me in my bags and they follow me to my next destination where then to get back on the next plane, I have to get searched again. So these last two, this last trip, I was searched six times uh, before I got home. The thing is, here, I mean, you know what? I, I'm not an attorney. I'm certainly not a prosecuting attorney, but it seems to me that if you are a real threat to the United States, they wouldn't just charge you with a misdemeanor, right? 
they come right. at you with the, the full, you know, uh, they just, you know, instead of keeping you overnight in jail, they release you on your own recognizance, right? But instead, they're taxpayer money, by the way. It's going to these yeah. air marshals who are following like old ladies through the airport. It's not just Siaka Massaquay, right? They're they're following old ladies through the through the airport. And we've got a mass you're not a threat. <laughs> I mean, clearly not a threat to the United I'm, States. You know what is a not too broke to be a threat, man. Like that's the thing. <laughs> it's like I'm not in a position to. I'm just trying to keep the lights on around here. It's, it, it's like, what are you talking about? And I'm trying to build a family yeah. at the end of the day. Well, and they you don't. Know? And honestly, I mean, you're a, you're a, you know what the the bigger threat about you is you're a black Republican, but that's a that's a pretty yeah. that's a pretty big threat right now right there. But it's it's discouraging to me to just see, you know to see you have to contend against something that is so, you know, irreason or unreasonable and even irrational. And it seems it feels awful lot like a political persecution, which we're seeing this happen to a lot of the J6 people. There were some of the things that happened at the Capitol that day that I was just like, oh, come on, you guys, like, you know, right. sc screw your head on straight. Like you could see some of those guys, you're in trouble for that, you know. But well, that's, and, that's the, and that's the thing that and we saw there was an appell appellate court decision just yesterday. That said, it was gonna. It's okay to. Um, it's okay to convict even passive members of January six for disorderly conduct. So what that's saying is ultimately all this, and as much as they they demonize anyone who's there on J six to be able to pass these precedents, like FBI going after people for misdemeanors. It's not FBI going after J six for misdemeanors. It's now the FBI can go after people for misdemeanors and do it as at any top of the level that they can. It's not that. It's not that uh, uh, people now like. It's, it's not, you know, they're just, as they're putting the throwing the full book at everything they can do with them when it comes to the, the friend mindset, Steve Friend said that the punishment is in the process. They want to show that they can do this and they want to see how much they can do because we've never really seen it to this capacity. And it started with General Flynn. And you saw how they did him where they used lawfare to cripple him. And now they're seeing how can they do it to all these different people. And they, they're, they're coming after people in ways where it, it's not going to just be MAGA or it's not just going to be America first or it's not going to just be Christian nationalists, which don't ever use, by the way. It's going to be it's going to eventually be any and everyone that decides to stand up and step out of the circle or step out of the box. You it, it, they're establishing the ability to do these things. Mm -hmm. And that's the pro that is that is what people should be concerned about. Because yeah. some people could look at your case and go, Siaka, you're stupid. Like you you went to the you you walked into the Capitol, you know, the don't do that. But what what people need to open their eyes and look at is this is not about Siaka Mazakoy. What you did was not a threat to the nation. What they are doing is they're setting the ground. They're laying the groundwork for the political persecution of anyone who dares voice an opinion that is different. And they're using the J6 uh, people to do it. You know, yes. I have a really good friend whose son was in the area, uh, in the DC area that day. And before he even went, she called him on the phone. She was like, don't go near, you, you know, go listen to the speech and then go home because you just don't know what's going to happen. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, with tempers or the you know way that they are, people are frustrated and rightfully so. Right. right? We watched well, the most bizarre election in the history of the country. People are like, what the heck's going on? I want to read to you something I read in the Orange County Register and just yeah. get your get you to respond to it. Uh, this is Shelley, Susan Shelley, and she wrote, it is beyond it is now beyond any dispute that the FBI and the Department of Justice are persistently engaging in disparate in des disparate treatment of Americans based on their political views. A new report by Christopher Rufo and City Journal observes that, quote, accountability hasn't been forthcoming for the riots and violence during the summer of 2020. In Portland, Oregon, where, you know, me, I live, I live next door to Portland, federal prosecutors quietly dismissed nearly half the cases against the George Floyd rioters. And in Seattle, ringleaders of the ill-fated autonomous zone in Seattle were never charged with crimes. These were people that were carrying machine guns uh, around the city. They were openly threatening people. They were setting fire to cars, fire to federal buildings. They weren't standing in the entryway of a federal building. They were setting fire to federal buildings. And yet in Seattle, they never got charged. So riddle me that, Siaka, what... What do you make of that? It's, it's okay. So it's, it's clear gaslighting, right? It's mm -hmm. gaslighting at the highest level. And the powers that be right now running the show are going to use us against ourselves. Right. Mm -hmm. And it, it tells me something. It tells me that 
what they really want to do is have an excuse to stop us from getting to the vote. That's what it tells me. Everything they're doing, they want us to snap. And as soon as you snap, now, well, there's a reason why we have to have martial law. Well, there's a reason why we have to suspend the vote. You see them poking the bear over there with China and Taiwan. You see them poking the bear over there in Ukraine. They want Russia to go crazy. You see them even in, you know, the Hamas-Israel situation. It's like, Mm -hmm. you see them poking over there and they're poking here. And so what does that tell me? When you can poke and cause chaos, then the norms then don't, aren't easily accessible. And right now, this avenue, there, how he even phrase everything is to scare you away from the vote, scare you away from seeing exactly what's happening. And so what I try to do now is I'm, I want to expose all this stuff. I want to tell people what's going on, but it's not to just get you uh, furious enough where you want to grab somebody by the throat because that's not what you want to do. What you want to do is you get organized and make sure you and everyone you know and in your neighborhood go out and vote. There's no excuses anymore. There's no yeah. area too blue to try anymore. There's no, as my vote's not going to count anymore because we don't show up like we're supposed to. That's really what, what we're facing right now is, is the fact that as American citizens, our civic duty have, we've left waned to somebody else to take care of it. And now we're well, seeing that's the, I mean, that's the narrative for so many things in the country right now. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's why we've lost our children because parents have yeah. decided to, uh, to, to co-opt the parenting of their children with the government school system. My friend Ken Ham calls it the anti-God system. Yeah. He's so yeah. right. Jesus said, you're either for me or against me. Well, are the public schools for God? No. Well, then they're against him. So when we send our kids to public schools, we're sending them to the anti-God schools. And and uh, we have rightly pointed out now that for generations, we have been, because largely because we're lazy, we have decided we don't need to vote. We decided we don't, we don't uh, run for office. This is how we lost our libraries. It's how we lost the parks. It's how come we have drag queens stripping in front of three-year-olds and gyrating around in ridiculous, uh, ridiculous fashion in front of little kids in our parks. It's because, you know, just regular people like you and me just trying to have a job and build a life when the far left in this country is seeing this as a religion. And they've actually been steadily working toward getting into these positions of authority. Now we're here. And, uh, but, but the, the hope is, and it's, it, it may not look like it, but it tells me the more they, they, they work to scare us away, the more powerful it actually is. So, yes, we have all the history of everything and it can look bleak because we do have a drag queen in the library right now. But yep. if, if it if, if there wasn't a chance to change it, then they wouldn't be screaming at you to try to stop you from voting. They wouldn't be telling yeah. you things like your votes lost in the blue city, you know, or a blue state. They wouldn't be telling you these things over and over. They wouldn't try yeah. to scare you away from Trump so much that if you vote for him at all, then for some reason you're you're anti. They wouldn't be doing that. Mm-hmm. If that thing wasn't that powerful, just like ivermectin, look how they push that away from everyone because yeah, it worked. So yeah. if we can get into, if we understand that at the end of the day, the goal line is the vote and to all, oh, and to work as much and as hard as possible to make sure that you do not do anything in your own life that can get that ability taken away from you. There's going to be things where they'll come and try to snatch it away from you. I'm not talking about that. But mm-hmm. being physical out there, you know, uh, wanting to be destructive and take matters into your own hands. We're not in an America where people can can give that like, you know, a dirty hairy thing anymore. But we are in a place where that vote is still that important. Let's it's really up. important. And I, I think we need to stop with this. I, I have said this for a long, long time. We need to stop touting the whole like our elections don't matter. Everything is rigged. I really yeah. wish Trump would knock it off because the only thing he is succeeding in doing is disenfranchising the voters who are just like, well, if it's rigged and what the heck am I even voting for? We've got to stop with this. And I said, and I know some conservatives don't like me for it, but have you noticed the Republicans only complain about rigged elections when they lose? They're not complaining about rigged elections when they win. They complain <laughs> when they lose. And to me, that's that's just stupid. It's like, you know what? Be well, quiet. You, you're, 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 not, you're not helping the conversation. And it's, a, and it's a numbers game. That's why we have to, that's why the warnings, if people aren't talking about the numbers and getting out and they're talking about other stuff, then it's set up to cause you to feel certain things. Right. And that's, that's exactly right. Yeah. For example, if we had 50 to 60% of Republicans vote in our last election here, in we LA would County, win. We would have had a, we would have had a, a conservative mayor for the first time. in Come on. Yep. So, 
So it's like we can say stuff's rigged, I know, but the numbers also don't match with the amount of efforts put in. That it's not That's enough right. of us showing up. That like we're not even beating them in output, let alone I voted and they're cheating. Okay, <laughs> we don't right. match their numbers. Right. If, we don't. Yep. And and I just feel like, boy, you know, the 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 whining and the complaining. And one of the things I really like about you is that you've done. You actually are doing something. You're trying to put your trying to put feet to the things that you believe in. And that's what we need to do. I was thinking about a verse from second Thessalonians. I think it's, um, uh, second Thessalonians, maybe, uh, first Thessalonians five, somewhere in, in that area, the, Bible, the verse says that we are, we are called, yeah, in the Thessalonians, Paul talking yeah. to the Thessalonians said, uh, to the men and women there said, we should avoid even the appearance of evil. And I guess my exhortation to, anyone who's listening to this right now is we have an opportunity to actually help the system work again the way it is supposed to work, but it cannot work the way that our founding fathers designed for it to work if we decide that we are not going to vote, that we're not going to run for office, that we're not going to engage in these uh, conversations that are shaping our country. And frankly, the conversations that are doing the most damage are not happening at the federal level. They're happening at the local level. Why, why do we have drag queens in our parks? That These are local issues. Many of our tax issues are local issues. The school are local issues. And yet we obsess over Donald Trump. We're going to obsess over the election. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying don't vote or whatever for the presidential election because obviously it's important. But our cities are dying because yes. we're not participating locally. We're not being light locally. Well, how do you do that? You begin again to get engaged in the process, which was given to us so that we could have a say in how we are governed. And I believe you know, that's kind of where, where, where this is sitting right now. Well, and it, it brings me to uh, Ezekiel 33, right? And it says that like, that you have to be the watchman on the wall, right? He who hears the sound of the trumpet and did not take the warning, his blood would be upon himself. But he who had taken the warning, he would have saved his life. But if the watchman sees the sword is coming and does not blow the trumpet so that the people are not warned and the sword comes and takes any one of them, that person is taken away in his iniquity. But his blood and and his blood I will require at the watchman's hands. But if you do, then the blood is on the hearer's hands. So it, it's it's like the calling has to be more than than if you if you can't take it of like, well, the idea that you need to be perfect at doing something just to get started is like, no, no, no. You see this this warning sign is out there. And God has taught us that, like, that's the warning. Blow the trumpet. It doesn't have to sound like Dizzy Gillespie. It just needs to sound like a trumpet. Just blow it, you know? Like, it doesn't matter what it is to get out there and do what you can do. You don't need to be in front of a camera or a great, you know, orator or being somebody who can speak or being, you know, but you can probably walk in the neighborhood. You can probably call up your friends and just be like, come over for a poker night. Let, you know, let's discuss this stuff. Whatever it is yeah. that is in your wheelhouse, like, that's what needs to be used in order to sound that trumpet. Yeah, it's, it's on us to do so. Yeah, I love that you said whatever it is, it's in your wheelhouse because I think people who are listening to this can go, okay, what what am I good at? You know, right. because everyone has influence, right? Exactly. We have we all have we all have influence. Maybe it's you for sure have influence in your family, but you probably have influence at your church, influence maybe in your neighborhood. Use the influence that God has given you. We've got to start talking. We lob you know bombs at each other over social media, you know, and across the internet, and we need to be having conversations again. And because the Republicans haven't done it all right either. But what is yeah. happening in the country right now with this with the rise of political persecution, the labeling of parents who just want to understand what's happening in the schools to their children, that they're labeled as domestic terrorists, that someone like Siaka Masakoy, who spent 76 seconds in the doorway at the U.S. Capitol now is having 71 70, seconds, sorry, 70, <laughs> 71 seconds in a doorway in the U.S. Capitol is having your home raided. Uh these are signs of a, of a nation that's in trouble. And well, I think yeah. we need, obviously we need to pray, but you, you're trying to raise money, right? For a, for yeah. your uh, defense fund. Uh, tell yeah. us a little bit about how people can, uh, can do that. Well, you can go to gibsongo.com slash Siaka, S-I-A-K-A. And, you know, I think a uh, BP group uh, who helped put that together, good friends of ours, we go to church with them. Like I said, um, I was talking to someone earlier today, how, People got on this to, to want to start to help right away, which was amazing. So we had our gifts and go going out right away. 
Um, then we also got, you know, Seth Dillon was able to speak up on my behalf right away. And, and people started coming around. I had the Post Millennial wrote an article first, then Daily Wire, Epoch Times, um, Red State. I think to me personally wrote the best one out of all of them. But within the first 24 hours, we cra- we, we controlled the narrative. And that right there is what conservatism and Republican side need to start to do instead of waiting mm-hmm. to respond to these guys and go, no, well, really, this is what it really was. But by then you're trying to take someone away from where they've already planted, you know, planted their roots on an idea. And that's going to be harder a hundred times out of a hundred times compared to boom, this is what it really is. Now they have the burden of proof is on them much like, you know, innocent until proven guilty. And so in this mm-hmm. case, we saw people come around and, you know, we just I think we just hit the 150,000 mark. So people are resonating. Yeah, I'm just story. looking at it right here. It looks like you've got a goal of 210,000 and you're at 150,252 uh, right. at the time of this uh, this recording. So I love that. So if, if my listeners are interested in supporting you in a legal defense fund, it's give send forward slash Siaka, S-I-A-K-A. And and I think you're seeing this, you know, ordinary people. You've had some really big names, obviously, get behind you, uh, big names in the conservative movement. But I think people are saying this is absurd what is happening. And uh, one of the ways that we can help stand up against it is just to provide the people that are being, you know, politically persecuted, for lack of a better word, uh, by this administration to come up alongside you and give you the financial help uh, that you need. We're certainly praying for you guys. You've got your first baby due here, right? In a couple of months. That's exciting. I guess, and guess, guess when the, the the due date is supposed to be. I'm scared to know. When is it? March 15th, which was my sobriety. <laughs> you know what? The Lord is so good. I know. And he's, he's, so he's, and he's, a, he's, a, he's one heck of a jokester, too, because all you can do is laugh when you start thinking. I was like, wait, Yeah, because he's going to say, well, you know what he's saying to you, Siaka? He's saying, I'm never going to let you forget this. Yeah. That's what exactly. the Lord's doing. I'm never going to let you forget this because you will never forget the birth of your first child. No, You'll never forget the birth of any of your kids. I mean, yeah. I ask me how I know, but yeah. <laughs> uh, I think I am excited because I think we're, I hope, uh, and this has obviously been, you know, one of the, it's the reason I ran for Congress. It's why we've spent all of our lives trying to help people get their kids out of the government school system. We're not here for no reason, right? right. We're here in 2024. We could have been born in the 1800s or even 50 years from now, but for whatever reason, God has us here for such a time as this. And uh, we need to ask the Lord, what is it that you want me to do? And uh, I'm encouraging everybody, you know, we remember we want to avoid even the appearance of evil. If you're not sure about an action, don't engage, right? Ask the Lord, come before the Lord. Uh, we want to be wise as serpents and gentle as doves. And we recognize injustice when we see it. And right before I started recording today, I was praying for us and uh, just reminded that God is a God of justice. God also hates injustice. Uh, Micah right. 6, 8 said, He has shown you, O man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you, that you love justice and mercy and you walk humbly with the Lord. And Siaka, that's what I'm going to continue to pray, just justice and mercy over your life. Mm, thank you so much. You know, <laughs> that that 24 hours being from being arrested to getting back into Charlotte's hands and arms, I should say, the Lord was we was working throughout that whole time. You know, they talk about how Paul worshipped and talked about the Lord, and the and the, the the cells fell open. That's what happened. You know, I'm in there, and the first night I'm on my knees praying the Lord's prayer over and over. The guard ended up giving me a Bible that night, so I'm reading, falling asleep with the Bible in my hands. The next day, as we're dealing with, you know, talking to our lawyers in our little room, I didn't know if my lawyer was going to make it. He he come busting in from Florida on a red eye saying, I got you. And I'm standing in this room. He leaves. I fall on my knees and start singing Brandon Lee, Brandon Lake's pray, uh, um, gratitude because like, that's all I can yeah. do. You know, I'm sitting here chained, literally chained up on my wrists and my waist and my ankles. And all I can do is just praise him because I, he, even in this dark time, he was just sitting there orchestrating to the point where there was this tall guy. He was about six two, white guy tatted up and we had four other guys were being transferred and I still had my regular clothes on. They're all in jumpsuits. And, and I had this sweater from uh, uh, um, uh, from this uh, T-shirt company that had Jesus saves on the back, right, on the cross. And the guy behind me goes, hey, man, nice shirt. I'm like, oh, yeah, well, you know, Jesus saved my life. And we start talking God. We start talking the That's Bible. Awesome. We get into transport. Everyone else starts talking God, and except for these other one, two guys. We get to the courthouse. And we're in the back and we're waiting to come out one by one. And when we're back there, we're all back into a jail cell sitting, waiting. And when the five of us are in there, we're talking 
And the one guy asked me, he goes, hey, man, can you pray for us? So I got a chance to pray mm-hmm. for everyone that was sitting in there, including myself, um, even to the point where when we went through, when by the time I went out, I was the last one. I walked out. 15 people were there to support me just from the bond. Half of them were from church, and they all stood up, boom, just ready. And Heidi, when I say I was blown away, I, like mm. I, I can't even tell you how wild that scene was to, to see that. And I'm, I'm thinking, this is amazing. And I'm walking up and my wife's there with her Bible in hand and my ring, wedding ring on her necklace, her cross necklace her godmother gave her. And she's standing tall, not no, you know, hesitation uh, to when we, we got, I got released. So I got okay to release. I go away, but I forget. They didn't tell me to, to sign paperwork and the DA had walked away and he didn't sign the paperwork. So technically I could have still been stuck in there till the following Tuesday. But one of the ladies that I go to church with who named her little sports car after me, she goes running into the courthouse, finds the DA who's on the phone in the parking lot about to leave, brings him back to the courthouse. The clerk lets my lawyer sign out and I was able to leave. At that point, I didn't know any of this was happening, but the Lord was still working so much so that I was able to be re- reunited that night. Heidi, like at that experience alone, and I've had many others, like I know the Lord is real. I'm just trying to do my best for him, you know. Man. Well, Siaka, I, I think uh, God's not near done with you. And uh, I can't wait to see what happens. I hope you do more with uh, with the Babylon Bee. And I yeah, love yeah. I love watching those. Some of my favorite <laughs> videos, honestly, are the ones that you've done with uh, the Babylon Bee. No. Malarkey's the one. Okay, so Malarkey came out the day I got arrested, <laughs> which is. It, it, it's a it, yeah, it's a cowboy spoof on uh, how you know Joe Biden has all these different phrases that he says from movies and stuff and is mumbling. So the B did a whole spoof <laughs> and they found the movie it came from and I play a character in that. It, it's it's brilliant, but yeah, it actually came out the day the day I got arrested. So uh, I don't know if that was just going <laughs> malarkey. <laughs> okay, I'll have to look it up. The one I was thinking about is the uh, the one where it's Californians move to Texas. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great one. Too. Those are some of my some of my absolute favorites. Yeah. <laughs> well, Siaka Masakoy, you are you're just such a dear friend to me, and I know many other people are praying for you. And I really hope uh, I really hope more people get on here. Let's fund this thing all the way, and uh, and really get that defense fund up there. But I I know that you listen to the Lord. And we're going to continue just to pray that that um, God does something unexpected, you know, and that really the Bible teaches us what Satan means for evil. God can use for good and he will use it for good. And I'm believing that for you and for Charlotte as you guys are moving forward, that good things are coming in 2024. And we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Let's do it again. Thank you for sure. At any time. I love you. I love you too. If you guys want more information on my friend Siaka Masakoy, I will link back to his website. It's siasamasakoy.us. I'll link back to it in the show notes today and also to the Give, Send, Go Fund. For those of you who want to help him with his legal defense, it's givesendgo.com forward slash Siaka. I hope you guys will get involved. Thank you so much for listening to the Heidi St. John podcast today and for leaving reviews for it. We really appreciate it. Don't forget to join me over at uh, Faith that speaks at that community. I'm continuing to take you guys through the book of Esther. You want to find somebody who actually stood up in the middle of the culture and God used in amazing ways. What a time to study the book of Esther. You can do that with me at faiththatspeaks.com. Have a great day, everybody. Love your people well. And I'll see you right back here again at the intersection of faith and culture.